This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. We've had an up and down time, if I'm honest. You know, we've had result, good results uh, against Newcastle, against Southampton, and then we've also had obviously sticky results as well. Um, you know, against uh, Burnley, uh, against West Ham. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit of an up and down patch, if I'm honest. I think in our heads, you know, we're all looking at finishing as high as possible. Um, you know, whether that be 10th, 9th, 8th, 7th, that's where, that's where we should be aiming, in my opinion, now. Um, you know, we're in a good pace at the moment. Uh, we, have, we still have a few games in hand, uh, you know, but we have a few sticky games coming up now, which will obviously be tough. If I'm honest, the last, the last three games have probably been the most difficult, um, only because I feel like, especially in the West Ham and Brighton games, a little bit in the Arsenal one as well, that... The opposition teams have kind of set up to to stop me, and you know they've doubled up on me massively, following every movement that I do. Um, but that's down to me, you know. I think that happens to to good players all over the world, and you know that's up to the to the good players to to do something different in the game. Welcome to the Mayo Manset Podcast. The Aston Villa podcast for the thinking Villa fan, as one listener described it. I'm David Michael, your host and editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to do some uh, deep, deep thinking about the uh, recent Villa-Leicester game and uh, much, much more, Mr. Chris Bird, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? Not too bad. I must be doing better than Phil Shaw because uh, he was so miserable in the last podcast. He couldn't have improved his mood after that uh, game. How how are you, Mister Phil Shaw? You'd be surprised. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, my mood's improved in the improved in the second half more than it was in the first. Phil's been diving deep into his footballing spreadsheet. Football yeah. by PowerPoint this week, I think. Yeah, Leicester's PowerPoint game is is strong, so uh, something to appreciate there. We haven't got time for small talk today, we just want to go straight into it. Coming up in the show, we'll get into uh, the Villa news from the injury leak to uh, the injury leak. (laughs) 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 Oh, the injury leak to uh, Villa's fixtures being confirmed, and uh, there's not that much news actually. It's a strangely low-key week for once. Yeah, before the uh, three points where uh, we will talk about potential involvement in uh, VAR, a bit of a uh, potential conflict between the EFL and government, and also uh, three lions pill shock, whatever that is. (laughs) Uh, Before uh, reminiscing with heavy hearts on the career, or the Aston Villa career, of Emil... William. Ivanhoe... Heskey, who uh, really started off his career at Leicester before ending it literally at Villa. So uh, there's an um, underrated and overrated to look forward to there. Right, let's get into uh, the Villa news straight off. And the main thing is uh, Dean Smith not happy about uh, the leak of uh, Jack Grealish's injury because one of the things he likes to do is, if a player is injured, to try to gain some kind of tactical advantage is make sure the opposition doesn't know as any manager 
would probably uh, follow suit. Unfortunately, we live in the world of social media where people, if they have a friend who's a friend of a friend, want to break the news and get some likes and uh, infamy, five minutes of infamy on fucking Twitter, which uh, doesn't help uh, the manager of their club, but uh, hey-ho. But here, it's not so much the Twitterati. It's more like uh, actual teammates have leaked out the news. Dean Smith, well, let's say, let's go start with what Dean Smith said. I was made aware on social media there were rumours he was not going to play, said Smith. If that is coming out of our training ground, I will find out where it's coming from and reprimand whoever it is coming from. It is something I would not be happy with. Right, I, I can give you a, a heads up, uh, <laughs> Dean Smith. I can give you a head start here. I would go for Matt Target, Connor Horahan, Neil Taylor. Uh, is it Scott, the first team performance analyst, and Rob the physio? Just, just, just knock on their doors first. Elementary, there, Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Elementary, my dear Watson. <laughs> uh, the reason I, uh, I, I roll out that roll call, because apparently, uh, as one of the fantasy Premier League Twitter accounts gave the heads up, there was multiple insiders who suddenly dropped Grealish from their fantasy team. And that's the names we've just mentioned. The level of dumbness is uh, unbelievable. And Smith's going to be, he's not going to be able to hold back against those names I've just rolled out there. If you want to play fantasy football and you're actually uh, a working member of the staff of that team, use a fucking alias, you dickheads. Got anything to say about that, Bert? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking morons. (laughs) And you know what they've all got in common? It's three guys with two left feet. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how you're sitting in the team. Oh, Jack, I, I'm putting you in the fantasy football team this week. Make sure you have a good game. I mean, it's like so fucking suck I mean, up it, or what? I mean, there's, there's a fine line between you know you're starting to get into the realms of betting now, where uh, you know there's versions of apps where you you're kind of betting on players' performances, like on stock exchanges and whatever, and that starts to go down a rocky, rocky path and uh, the temptation for corruption because it's not as if you know footballers haven't been uh, found out to be. Uh, Having have gambling problems. I mean, we, well, you know, and Trippier's currently on a ban, isn't he, at the moment? I think. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's a bit of a dodgy area there. But yeah, come on, guys. It's uh, if you know, as as long as the friend of a friend said they would be out. When you get that kind of evidence as well, it's like, yeah, I think there's something in in that. And uh, Smith, I'm not surprised he's pissed off. I'd be, uh, I would be kicking some ass for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, at least we'll know when he's back now. Just keep an eye on them when he's transferred <laughs> back in. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I should cut this bit out because uh, <laughs> we just have to follow this Twitter account and wait for uh, everybody to put him back in the team. As Smith did with Barkley, he likes to uh, play his cards to his chest. Yeah, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Nine weeks later, but every week it was like, yeah, yeah, he should be back. Like, he's going to miss this game, but he'll be back for the Palace game, and then no show. Maybe again. we should just email this Twitter account and say, "Got any, uh, got any insider on big man back soon." <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, also, as I said, not much news going around. We've finally got a date with Spurs, which uh, is in the third week of March. Sunday night game. So we'll win that one. We always win on yeah. a Sunday night. What is it, 21st? Uh, yes, I believe. And then there's an international break, isn't there? Yeah. And there's been rejigging with the uh, Sheffield United and Wolves game as well. Uh, that makes up the quartet of the March games uh, with the Newcastle return game as well. Right, let's move on to the three points. Uh, quickly, I, I will address this in a uh, off-the-record uh, podcast, which is on the Moms Patreon uh extra podcast channel i had a meeting uh, through the football supporters association with uh, pgmol mike riley and his assistant who uh, oversee var i mean i'll go into detail as i've, I've said elsewhere but basically the, the positive i would take away it seems to be like an evolution and it's like in the infancy and apparently everything is still on the table i mean i asked about the whole concept of what has been the discussion around what the rugby model is, which, you know, Chris likes to mention, uh, where you have the the rugby referee mic'd up and the starting point is, you know, for example, if a goal's been scored, you know, the starting point is, is there any reason I should not give that goal? The, uh, the crowd hear that, the broadcast audience hear that, and then you hear the discussion and you see the evidence that he has in front of his eyes. So that improves communication to the supporters and also transparency as well and it solves a lot of problems and it solves a lot of the questions that were going mike 
Riley's way in this discussion. Uh, ultimately, uh, Mike Riley highlighted that it's actually FIFA that oversees it all now. I think this has been the last year or so. And it's ultimately up to them to change the rules. And they've kind of been against this miking up uh, at the moment. But as, as I said, he said it's still on the table it's had some limited trials in the MLS. Uh, but I'm hoping you know, Riley wasn't just passing the buck to FIFA there. But we'll see. I mean, they seem very approachable, so that's the good news. And there's going to be a document about what we actually spoke about that's put out so all supporters can read it. So that communication is uh, a plus, shall I say, and uh, welcomed. Right, shall we move on? Point number two, EFL and the government on brink of a major conflict. I haven't really read into this. Who uh, who wants to field this? Yeah, so this is a, a kind of a strange one, really. So there's second-tier executives in the championship are... Um, they're not best pleased with the Treasury after HMRC put the brakes on a hundred million plus loan for championship clubs. Basically, the HMRC, the Treasury, was due to give the championship a big lump sum to help bail out clubs who are you know, struggling, of which there are quite a few in that division currently who are you know they are reliant on ticket sales, etc., match their revenue. And the HMRC are apparently insistent on unprecedented curbs on goal bonuses, uh, new contracts and wage rises because essentially they don't see it that this isn't something that the taxpayer should should be paying for. It's like we'll help bail you out on a business side of things but we are not in a position to be paying a footballer a bonus for scoring a goal. Yeah, they're kind of seeing it as uh, like the, the the sprinklings on top, aren't they? As little yeah. extras. Uh, yeah, this, this is stuff we're not. Re- you don't, you know, you're not reliant on that money. You don't have to pay a goal bonus. Yeah, but sometimes contracts are structured like that to in support of the actual club to make sure they get a return from their outlay. So they give them a lower basic. You know, it's like any like a sales job where you get a basic and then your bonuses are where you potentially earn your proper money yeah uh, you know a lot of clubs would structure a deal like that well we'll give you this per week or per month but to you know to pad it up you reckon you're going to score 20 goals this season so you know we'll, we'll give you uh, incentives and that's how they rather than just pissing money up the wall they try to get some return from the money so it is a bit of a gray area it's yeah not, uh, apparently 14 of the 24 clubs have requested this interest-free known but now face you know further delays in the funding arriving as there's there there is the potential that one of these teams down there potentially like a blues those sorts of clubs who are in financial problems could there be a high profile team when the championship goes to the wall who knows i would doubt it but you know other sports were handed up i think it's like a 300 million winter survival fund and the the efl feels that it's being discriminated against due to essentially a history of just financial mismanagement throughout the division including well, the championship sides <laughs> overspending on wages no names <laughs> <laughs> never that's never happened no. in any championship club no championship club has a wage bill that's actually a hundred and nineteen percent of their uh their, <laughs> their <income>. revenue <laughs> yeah their <laughs> revenue that's never happened no it's uh, i mean you know you, uh, no no problems with the government playing hardball if you know because they're dealing with uh massive mis- mismanagement there and you shouldn't just be bailing out other people's mistakes you, you need to make sure that it's not just uh you know giving away the taxpayers money for nothing I'm just trying to think who my taxpayers money is going to go towards I could, I could maybe stretch the scott hogan go bonus or something like that or a henry lansby appearance bonus <laughs> he scored not, it the weekend didn't he scott hogan it was a big goal he, he got his I money think, i thought you meant lansbury scored that would have been a headline <laughs> Nah, phil's tax money goes towards lansbury's hair bill point number three i'll just read out the headline three lions pill shock England football star hooked on sleeping tablets and mixing them with booze at illegal lockdown parties. Mention here of uh, illegal lockdown parties. No football has been involved in any... uh, Nobody's broken the lockdown for any parties, have they? Surely not. Who hasn't? (laughs) In England squad. (laughs) So this is an interesting one because this is obviously at the stage they're gathering their evidence. Uh, Yeah, this is very much an emerging story, isn't it? This is just the first... Drop before they fire out their flair and name and shame, as everybody says. Oh, it's the sun, and it's the sun. But uh, why would you put out an, uh, like a, a nameless story unless you're just trying to uh, wind up Gareth Southgate, just in a general context? We could riff on this and make a lot of fun uh, regarding uh, uncertain underperforming players, etc. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll just leave it uh, and see how that one develops. Right, uh, before we go on, uh, as usual, I just want to say uh, a big thanks to the uh, My Old Man Said patrons for supporting the show. What What's coming your way this week? I just put out uh, the February's Mad Few. There's been a half-term report. I will do uh, an off-the-record 
And, uh, oh, me and Phil did an updated recording of uh, My Old Mandalorian Said, which is our more pop culture sans the villa look at... Uh, like screen culture and other things that tickle our fancy. Hopefully I get it together and it should finally arrive uh, probably mid this week. Touch wood. If you want to uh, get access to the extra podcast channel and, well, probably most of all, exclusive access to uh, Match Club, our Match Day gathering, which... Considering we were 2-0 down against Leicester, there was a lot of uh, laughs to be had at half-time in that game. It was indeed. (laughs) What is love was the main question we were discussing. (laughs) Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) Don't hurt me. No but more. <laughs> uh, if you want to uh, get involved in the madness, and uh, as Jack Grealish said, there's some sticky games coming up on the horizon this month, so uh, it could be a, a lot of uh, fun in there. Please do uh, check out the details of Match Club and go to myomansaid.com and uh, click on the patron link on the menu. If you're on a mobile device, uh, you're going to have to press those is it four dots or three lines, and then the menu will pop up from the left-hand corner. Anyway, thank you very much uh, to uh, Stephen De Cross or De Cruz for signing up uh, in the last couple of days. Also for Ash Walker for upgrading and John Gillis for signing up uh, as an annual member. As an annual member, you get two months free, which is works out to be around fifteen percent off. So uh, do check it out and uh, join in the merry brotherhood. Right, match reaction. First back to back top flight win at Villa Park since 1960 for uh, the Foxes. But the big talking point was obviously uh, no Grealish, which was uh, confirmed an hour before the game. We, we knew that Matty Cash wasn't there. That was uh, a major concern, uh, considering the one thing that was 100% functioning okay with this Villa team was the defence, uh, including the goalkeeper. And to take Cash out of that. Also, the Grealish situation, lots of... Uh, Cards close to the chest in terms of what is the actual injury. Smith saying it's not a long-term thing. I mean, I'm looking at it thinking it's more of a slow burn thing. I mean, he's very resilient, is our Grealish, from his Gaelic football. But the problem is, you know, when you're getting kicked match in match out it's going to have a you know it's going to have a uh, cumulative effect in the end and that might be uh, the case but we'll see what happens but reading between the lines i can't see leads happening i think he's just trying to keep bielsa guessing there but the main talking point i think of this podcast and we said it before the game smith's reaction to grealish once we after the first five minutes you're seeing how it's playing out was simply it's just like you know just grealish swap for for El Ghazi, and uh, that was it. There wasn't really a proactive element to how we were going to set up to counter A, Leicester, and B, the fact that we didn't have Grealish. Considering our recent midfield woes, I mean, I, I thought he would have taken a big look at the midfield because, you know, we're talking about a midfield with Grealish in, and we've struggled the last, you know, four, five, six weeks. So, what would you have done? Anything different? I mean, that's my first thing that comes to the top of my head would be getting Nakamba in, maybe alongside Louise, and then I might have even gone for playing McGinn on that left-hand side, not as an out-and-out wide guy, but just to reinforce that midfielder uh, midfield on the left, because I think Target is. He's a different kettle of fish nowadays. So in terms of needing extra cover for him, it's, and he can overlap McGinn as well. Anyway, that's 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 my uh, initial thoughts. Well, it amused me actually before the game. You know, you say about the sort of you know him not reshuffling the pack or ch- changing things. You know, when he came out before the game and they were sort of saying talking about the Brighton game, and he'd said, uh, "Well, what was wrong with it? The everything." <laughs> that comment yeah. amused me. And then, uh, but then really, we we looked. I didn't see a whole lot of change, to be honest. You know, bar individual personnel, there was no change in terms of patterns of play. I thought we actually passed the ball a little bit better, but a lot of it was along the back line. We didn't really play through midfield too too much. Because just going back to the context, we have struggled in the last few games and we've been lucky to not play teams that are potentially as ruthless as Leicester. So you're just thinking, these guys are going to put us... After the first, you know, 10 minutes or so, you're thinking, these guys might put us to the sword here. And then when we're 2 0 down you're thinking oh this could be a horror show yeah i was i was worried that this was going to be another lesser looking to score nine goals away from home it, it was the first 20 minutes were that bad um and i didn't like the way brighton play but i do like the way leicester play i think there's a lot of similarities between the way villa want to play and the way leicester can play i'd agree with that it's just intelligent it's dynamic. football yeah dynamic intelligent and like it's efficient there's no energy wasted 
you know, every attack, you know, it, it ends up getting a shot on target, you know, trying to find Vardy and they just do things the right way. You, you very rarely look at Leicester and go, that was silly or that was a mistake. Strangely, actually, though, in, the, yeah, in this game, they, they were actually quite similar to us defensively and they were they looked really solid and they could hold us at arm's length for long periods. But then the one mistake they made actually cost them a goal and that was the only thing yeah. they did wrong all game. Yeah. It was a shocking goal from their point of view for Traore. But we'll get on, you know, we'll get onto that obviously later on. But Villa just didn't start well, did we at all? We never got a foothold in the game, and before you know it, you're two 0 down. And you know, what do you think of the first goal? I mean, the, talk about the missed tackle by Almo. Yeah, he just I, I, it was just a bit naive. You know, once Madison gets into position, someone has to close him down. You just have to throw yourself at the at the man or the ball, and we didn't. And you think, well, Madison's got the quality that from that position, it doesn't surprise you when it finds itself in the bottom corner. Um, the second goal, though, is absolutely fucking dreadful. You know, a throw-in takes two two men out of the game. I think Elmo misses a tackle again. I think it's Harvey Barnes the ball comes to. Yeah. Uh, and then it drops. You know, the shot comes in. Martinez, I think, will be disappointed to spill it straight out. And obviously, Barnes is never going to miss from there. It's just a it's just a really poor goal. In terms of Martinez, do you think you could have done more on the first goal? No, I'm not. I'm not going to be too critical him on that one. I think it was just a really good finish by Madison when he. he, he it's just that he gets into a position he he shouldn't really be getting into. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those. Uh, if he does save it, it's it's a great, great, great save. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. you know, if somebody takes the shot earlier than the keeper expects, that's sometimes the extra couple of millimeters you need. Yeah, problem was more. It's more how much space Madison had. I mean, he's yeah. he's their most creative threat right down the center of the park, and none of our midfielders were anywhere near him at all. And that's what I'm saying. It, I, I thought it would have be worth putting that double deep of uh, Nakamba alongside Louise, and then you would have closed that space down. That look, Leicester did exploit to score both of their goals. We just we were, we were just so open in the middle of the park. You, know, you had Louise as the deep lying player. Which he can do that role, but I wouldn't say he's a disruptor. And against a team like Leicester, you need a, a physical, you know, tough player. And Leicester have that. Yeah, my philosophy in that game would—it's not so bad to start off defensive-minded against them because no. they've had a game in midweek in the Europa League on Thursday. So just keep it tight. If you can stir through the initial stages by having a double pivot of Nakamba and Louise, and you've got McGinn in there playing a bit more forward, and he can join in the attacks more legitimately because at the you know, in, in the game in the first half, he was kind of getting further forward, but actually further forward out of his what his position should be. So that left a lot of room uh, at the back for Leicester to exploit. Yeah, we just we just opened the game up too soon, and then when you know the unfortunate reality with Villa this season is if you go a goal behind, you don't fancy us. If you go two goals behind, you know you're not getting anything out of the game at the moment. It's just the sad reality of for all the positives Villa have had, but. We are where we are, and we haven't over, overturned a lead yet this season. That's the one big weight on our shoulders. But I don't think it's in our DNA because you didn't—you don't have to go too far back to uh, when it didn't really matter how many goals we were down, we could still claw back. Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing. You always—you always feel you, we were in the game, bar the last probably the last couple of games really I don't think we were ever looking likely to hurt Brighton at the Amex and we, we didn't really hurt Leicester you know we huffed and puffed we had a bit of the ball certainly in the second half and we were better but we never really got up ahead of steam or you know forced Schmeichel into saves he, he didn't really have anything to do with them pick the ball out of his net because this game going into it with our current midfield woes with Grealish was one I I was thinking of in trepidation I mean the yeah Dean, who did the uh, preview, also put Leicester down in terms of the prediction for a win, a one-goal win. So Grealish is not the excuse here. You know, it's like, oh, we got beat by Leicester. Oh, you know, it's because we didn't have Grealish. I, I, I was expecting to get beat by Leicester with Grealish. It's just that Grealish gave us a chance to have more sting going forwards on the counter. But the thing is, we were down so quickly in terms of being 2-0 down, like seriously quickly, that we just played straight into Leicester's hands. They could relax a bit, play a bit deeper. And just uh, tried to pick us off when the opportunity arised, which in the end they didn't actually have to do, did they? You know, we got the no. we got the goal early in the second half, and you kind of think, wow, considering how bad we were in the first half, this is a gr- the perfect start. Game on! Now let's go for it. And then we just. I don't know if it was we stopped, but Leicester had a few breakaway moments. But I wouldn't have said Martinez was particularly troubled, you know, in the second half. We we just sort of we just never had it in us. We've, I don't know what it is. We've just lost our we've lost our punch going forward, haven't we? Leicester had seven shots on target to our two, and I don't know off the top of my head how many of those are in the first half. But obviously, two of them are were the goals. The goalkeepers didn't feel busy, but it did definitely feel like we were getting ransacked at the start by Leicester. They had a lot of the ball, Leicester, didn't they? They had a lot of ball and a lot of territory. Um, obviously, Madison had the free kick, and Martinez had a couple of sort of you know routine 
routine saves, but I wouldn't have even said it was a particularly entertaining game. As much as Leicester played quite well, they were, as you said, very efficient. They kind of got the job done and they never... I wouldn't say they never had to get out of second gear because I thought defensively they were still a little bit shaky and kind of there for the taking, but we just didn't have it in us to, you know, to really... We had no back. serious threat to, no. you know, when we were chasing it. And, and that, you know, getting a goal back was almost like a bonus and a super bonus in terms of the timing. And you thought, hang, hang on a minute, but you still, I didn't feel any conviction that we were going to get anything out of this game just because the limp-wristed way we were, we were going about it. Yeah, even at 2-1, I always felt that even if we got another goal, you always fancied Leicester, if they needed to, would go through a gear, even if it was just once and probably get a chance and take it on the break. Phil, anything to add? Funnily enough, we actually had a, a, one of our best chances in the first uh, in the first half, just before Leicester scored. We sort of weathered the early storm and thought, of yeah, we did. We, we just got a foothold into the game." And then Watkins did a nice trick on the edge of the box, got it to El Ghazi, who put it in, and Triori had a, a shot blocked, which if it hadn't been blocked, was, was the, you know certain goal. A minute later, then Leicester had taken the lead. I mean, it's, it's just we weathered the early storm, and then we we opened up, like you said, opened up a bit too early, and Leicester was straight in. And I would I would just say on the throw in, it, it's a sign of a good team that they know what to do with a throw in. Too often, you know, for Villa through the past, you've looked at a Villa player with a throw and he goes to take it he hesitates he looks around and things like that it's just a sign of a team that needs to sh- sharpen up if they don't know what they do and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. With a throw. Moving on uh, to uh, somebody who needs to sharpen up, probably. I mean, it's getting a lot of pelters from uh, Villa fans on social media. Mr. Ross Barkley, I mean, we've explained mitigating circumstances over the last few pods in terms of, you know, how many games you need to uh, get up to speed in, etc., etc. In this one, I, I mean, unless there's some underlining issue that he's uh, that he's got, you would say that the amount of games he's had so far since he's been back from his hamstring are enough to uh, expect well, that, a, a little bit more. He's had two weeks of training, hasn't he, as well? Yeah, so uh, so far the best of what we've seen of Barkley is when he works in tandem with Grealish. You know, when we when we have a foothold on the game, and we haven't for a long, long time, haven't been in a situation where we've had a period of uh, let's say ten minutes of uh, let's say controlling a game and uh, dominating a game. I mean, when we've had successes, they've been uh, on on the counter or in you know fleeting moments like the Southampton and, and the Arsenal situation where we spent most of the time uh, you know backs to the wall. So the argument for Barkley is I mean once he came off obviously not cutting a happy figure but he should be doing more there's there's no uh, doubt about that but the way we were set up and expecting him to do anything different from the last few games and then suddenly you've, you've got the main man that uh, you're hoping is going to team up with him you know not in the team what were we expecting I don't know I think the, the problem with Barkley is I mean all the other players in the team you know, put in a par performance. You know, they might not have been spectacular, but they weren't, you know, awful from what we expect. We we know Barkley can do so much better. And yet when we see it, it's just, I think that's why he gets some of the, the abuse that he's getting, well, not the abuse, the criticism that he's getting online. 
Because, you, you know, you think, uh, you know, he's not in the game as much as he should be. But in terms of midfield and attacking players, only McGinn had more touches. I mean, he had 57 touches, McGinn 64, Truro Douglas Louis in the 40s. So it's I think it's probably this defensive side of his, he doesn't disrupt the opposition. He doesn't press hard enough. And that's maybe his downfall because this is probably the, the only way we can play. We need more intensity when uh, we haven't got the ball. I think his, his game is built around control, isn't it? He wants to put his foot on the ball and bounce off a Jack or a Louise or a McGinn or even playing to feet off Watkins. He wants to be busy and almost run the game at his own tempo. And we're just not getting enough possession to actually get him into a game. He doesn't want to go chasing it or pressing the back four for the ball. That's just not his game. But Yeah, and that's a very good point. With where we're at right now, he kind of needs... We're, we're almost demanding him to do something he just simply doesn't do. It's not that he's necessarily not capable. It's just not something he does. It's just not yeah. his game. He's not that kind of player. Yeah, that's what I, I said there. I mean, when it came, when the rumour broke that we were getting a Chelsea midfielder in loan, it was either Ross Barkley or Loftus-Cheek. And yeah. while nobody would have picked Loftus-Cheek over Barkley, it seems to be that that's exactly the kind of player we're missing at the moment. So just sort of the way fate transpired, we could have really done with a, a Loftus-Cheek figure in the middle. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I personally thought if we were going to get one of them, it would probably be Loftus-Cheek because I thought uh, Barkley might be pie in the sky. Yeah, and I also think that um, for the first time, actually, you know, the, the fans have kind of been picking up on the Barkley performance thing really since he came back into the team, which and obviously, you know, we're watching him a lot more. But for the first time you saw today, the pundits mentioned it as well, that with Jack out, Barkley has to be, in terms of age and the level he's played at, he has to be the, the senior pro. Yeah. And he simply wasn't. You know, you'd expect somebody of his age, his experience, his pedigree, etc., to kind of at least try to take the game by the scruff of the neck and go, right, this is, I need to be the main man today. And he didn't, and he didn't stand up. And when we signed him, one of the good things was uh, one of the uh, the big pluses that you know we would talk about uh, at the start of the season was this is almost like getting an insurance policy against the uh, the one man team. So if Grealish does get injured, yeah, you've got you've got another top man to uh, you know, take the mantle. So that's what I think a lot of people were disappointed about uh, in this performance against Leicester. I know, I know it's a long time ago now, but you compare his debut against Liverpool where we'd pick the ball up on the half turn and just drive at the, uh, the opposition midfield or defence. You haven't yeah. seen him carrying the ball. We're not seeing him, you know, he's got a great shot on him. We haven't seen him taking pot shots. He's just simply not, he's not in the game. It's not functioning. We want our money mm. back. 30 <laughs> days. <laughs> it's more on if you buy him online. Hopefully we bought him online. From Amazon, they give you a few months, I think. He's indicative of the rest of the side. It's this kind of stuttery, spluttering performances that are, they've crept in all over the field. I think the back four and the keeper have been relatively consistent and bar the two goals against Leicester, I actually think we defended pretty well. I thought Mings handled yeah. Vardy actually relatively excellently. I thought Elmo found it difficult, but I actually think because he's a seasoned pro, he stuck to his task. But it's further forward and it's this midfield combination or dare we say lack thereof combination that's our downfall at the moment. It's a great new phrase you just coined there, relatively excellently. <laughs> relatively <laughs> excellently, welcome. <laughs> but the thing is, what Barkley does give you, because he is, you know, a class player when he's switched on, you know, it's moments of brilliance that, you know, he's won games for us. He won this, the Leicester game uh, he did. at the King Power. He won the game against Southampton where we had no right whatsoever to get three points from and that game. I think game. that's why Smith perseveres with him, isn't it? Because he knows yeah. that on any given day he will make something happen, but he just isn't at the moment. But not like anyone else's. Yeah, and this is and it's it similar to the argument with old Horahan because Horahan had end product, but the uh, argument and the uh, the criticism was about the overall efforts and role, it, you know, within the team, and that normally means off the ball. And yeah, just overall effectiveness and Barkley at the moment is ineffective. But then so 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 is Louise, so is McGinn, so are the two wide men at the moment. It's just it's yeah. just not quite happening, and I don't know whether it's a there's like you know a fundamental issue that you know, either we've been found out or it's a tactical thing or whether it's just that they've got too many of that starting 11 or all just have had a bit of a dip off in form. I don't know. I think Traore, he keeps on keeping on. He's he's still the wild card, but you get moments of brilliance. And in this game against Leicester, he was like the only one who looked like uh, was going to give them a question they might not be able to answer. I mean, Trezeguet, for all his endeavour, I mean, some of that finishing was, I mean, at least... You're a professional footballer. Make the goalkeeper work. Don't just like p-roll it back to him. Yeah, you know the the the, the, the changes that fans have been calling for. We brought Jacob Ramsey on. Sanson came on. I wouldn't say we were 
you know, transformed into a superpower, but all of a sudden you saw a little bit of energy, a little bit more snap in our passing. The ball was going forward like we were trying to play through Leicester. They'd clearly been drilled and it's kind of like, well, if, if they know what they're doing and they're acting upon it, why aren't we being more proactive earlier in the game? Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, there was cause for half-time substitutes uh, in this one. I think the only real opportunity we had to uh, snatch a draw was that Ming's header in injury time. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to see it back. I've only seen it actually in-game. You'd want him to hit the target, but you wouldn't expect him to score, I don't think. No. There's only a half chance for me. There's a potential goal in there, but you're not going to chastise him yeah, for it. Yeah, it's not a sitter, is it? No, just to, to finish in the midfield. Um, let me just say, let's let's finish it here and let's loop back to uh, the midfield situation, as you were about to say. But with an eye on the Leeds game, and we, we had asked this question actually a few weeks ago. I think I asked it to you, Phil, because we were having the similar problems in terms of tenacity, desire, well, just like tactically in the midfield. So in a nutshell, what's the plan against Leeds with no Grealish. The midfield, it, whenever it's going well, it's lauded about how, you know, interchangeable all the midfielders are. They all swap positions and, um, you know, it's fluid. This one turns up here, this one, the other player turns up there. I think we need to be a bit more rigid in midfield. I think the players need to stay in, in set positions. Explain yourself. Get your, get your spreadsheet out. Yeah, I'm, I'm dropping Barkley. I mean, he can be an impact player off the bench until he gets a bit of form back. I'm bringing in either Sanson or Ramsey because both of them look like they're good at retaining possession and recycling the ball. From the little that we've seen of Sanson, we've seen more of Ramsey. And Nakamba and Louise are playing because I just feel that you need players to be in the right position in midfield. Our midfield's just never in the right place. It's not through lack of endeavour and anything else. I'm just never where they should be. Yeah, I'm, I'm going, uh, I would go, as I said at the top, uh, Nakamba alongside Louise. And then I would go for that McGinn playing up further up or, or more on the left-hand side, uh, maybe in, in, in the place of Barkley, and then have Barkley coming off the bench. I th- I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd go with that. I mean, ultimately, it's, yeah, it's dependent on you know, Grealish's fitness, but I just think if, if Ramsey or Sanson gives you, if he gives you legs in the middle, that's what we need against Le- against Leeds. Yeah, you can't play Barkley if he's not going to press. If you don't press Leeds, if they beat your initial press, you're going to get battered, as we did at Villa Park. But you've got to stay in the game against Leeds. If you stay in the game, you know they're going to give you chances at the back and you can go there and we can win. But McGinn's uh, a bit more active further forward. So if you're playing him forward and putting the camber in his old position, then you're getting more of a press higher up and a bit more intensity or pressure on their midfield. And he's also useful going forward. I mean, although, you know, he's squandering some... His he's, decision-making is a bit silly sometimes where he's, he's shooting from 40 yards on like a volley and stuff where it's like, yeah, okay, you scored one against Sheffield Wednesday a couple of years ago, but this is like twice the distance. Mm-hmm. And you should be playing the percentages here rather than squandering it because we're actually a goal down. I'll finish up on this one with a question for you guys. Is this little run we've had a, a, just a, a blip or are we in danger of our form and our season kind of falling off a bit of a cliff uh well at the moment i think this is who we are at the moment we just we are playing like a mid-table team you know we can get wins but we can also yeah because yeah. the start of the season it's you know it's it's all up in the air it's all anybody's the start of the season you can get all kinds of crazy results because people are putting teams together or finding their feet or getting back their fitness finding their shape etc and we exploited that by you know the way we dealt with Liverpool. But now uh, certain teams have, have found their rhythm and they know how to, you know, like Brighton now, know what exactly what they're doing. They're well drilled. They know exactly what they're doing. So we have to be good to beat them. Yeah. Leicester wasn't looking like we were ever going to beat them. doesn't matter if we had 10 Grealishes, the way we've, we were playing in, in the last uh, four or five weeks. So we're, we're a team now that's... I mean, it, that COVID thing wasn't not the nicest of things to happen to uh, get you rolling uh, in the new year. So this is, uh, I don't know if it's typical Villa that suddenly Grealish is going to be out when, the, you know, the daffodils are about to pop up. If you try and take any sort of silver lining, it, it might force a rethink. I mean, uh, in the commentary in the game gave me a bit of news about Dean Smith. I didn't know that he used to be a, a chess champion. So, yeah, yeah, it's time for him to do what Dean's gambit. <laughs> Dino's Gambit. Yeah. There's the title for the podcast. Yeah. Thank like, you very much, Phil. <laughs> any silver line you can get, if it, if it does force sort of a, a reshuffle, just even if it is for... The, I mean, these are the few games that you would have wanted a reshuffle for, but you're Brighton, mm-hmm. you're Leicester and you're Leeds. You would yeah. have wanted a reshuffle and we haven't had one yet, so we can only hope that there's some sort of trick 
in mind for against Leeds because we can't go out and play the same way. Yeah, this is where we see if the you know the Gary Kasparov of Great Bar can <laughs> shuffle the pack a little bit, don't we? And because we, regardless of you know Plan A's and Plan B's, it's just get some fucking variety into the team. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting watch that Leeds game. Uh, that is for sure. So uh, it's your move, Mister Smith. Right, let's finish the show on. Uh, don't don't turn off. Don't turn off just yet. It's Emil Heskey for underrated or overrated. Who said he used to be shite, but now he's all right? That was the song, wasn't it? <laughs> Everyone used was to it? sing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember that. Yeah, yeah. He was never all right. Uh, I, I'm not going to ask you to sing it, bud, because you, you were caught out singing on one of the previous podcasts, were you not? I don't remember. I like a good sing-song, me. <laughs> Is that on the I think it was the, one of the patron extras. Probably. There was a verse that came came oh, from you. good. I, to, I, I told you to shut it off, shut it down. <laughs> so you edited me out. <laughs> No, I let it go, but that's what I said. I'm on air saying, yeah, that's enough. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Emil Heskey, uh, why did we sign him? Silence. Yeah. We, need, we needed a target man. and We had a target man. <laughs> Martin O'Neill was throwing money, money around left, right and centre at the time. Carew, not big enough for him. No, it was, a, it was back up for Carew. And this, is, this is the problem. I always think a Heskey came in and he should, he should have been back up, but O'Neill thought, no, I'll just play him in games. Like, I mean, the context is, this is an exciting time. It's Christmas, it's January. We are third, and this is just off the top of my head, so don't uh, get at me. But we're about... Five points above Arsenal at that stage. We had that game, I think it's the same season, we had the game uh, where Zach Knight scored an equaliser when we played them around yeah, January it's as day. well. it's Boxing Day. Yeah, yeah. Was it 2-all? Is that right? Yeah, it was 2-all, yeah. yeah. So here we are. We, we've got ahead of uh, Arsenal and January, this is the final push and you're thinking, right, let's get bring in the reinforcements for the uh, the final charge. This is what I always trot out when I, when I talk about Villa failing to... Uh, get into the Champions League that season and Martin O'Neill ultimately that uh, Martin O'Neill failing in his glass ceiling is this January window where Aston Villa sign Emil Heskey this is not the Emil Heskey of Leicester Liverpool this is the Emil Heskey of Blues and Wigan may I add <laughs> it's, it's a downgrade and uh, meanwhile Wenger goes oh let's uh, let's do a bit of uh, continental magic and bring in Andre Ashavin in the same window well, after the window had closed, but anyway. Well, yeah, minor technicality. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a player that, uh, he was a revelation. People were like drooling over him. He scored six goals in 12 league games, including four in one game against Liverpool in the four-all draw. Now, I could never imagine Emil Heskey scoring four goals in a season, never mind uh, in one game. Because <laughs> Emil Heskey in seven, that season in 14 appearances scored two goals which uh, I think that's actually that was a good start for him, in a one-in-seven man, because I think at Villa he finished as like a, over a one-in-nine man. Anyway, let's, let's try to lift, up, lift him up. <laughs> any, any memorable memories of... Uh, he scored on his debut, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pompey was a good goal as well. I mean, I've just dissed the idea and I've compared him to uh, a Shavin in terms of what ultimately got Arsenal over the line and that kind of thinking because I don't, I don't want to go into Ma- Martin O'Neill's managerial uh, career at Villa, but we needed goals. We were always after a, a finisher at, in, around that time. Gabby gave you that pace, but he wasn't uh, a legendary finisher at that time. Carew, a bit temperamentally, he had to be in the mood for it. We just needed that third man to just pop the ball in. What we didn't really need is Heskey because you know playing Heskey alongside Carew was a bit weird and what we, what we needed was Darren Bent a year or two earlier yeah exactly mm-hmm. I mean I, I did something uh, some Charlton fanzine asked me for some words on Darren Bent and I said Darren Bent right man at the wrong time and I said if he came a couple of seasons earlier we, we would have had a different story at Villa mm. the problem with Heskey as I, as I said he was on a downward curve he once he uh, he got ridiculed by a lot of football fans after the Euros I think it's 2004 and he left Liverpool in that season and this is what I said that we didn't get the Liverpool Leicester version we got the uh, the Blues Wigan version which was he was almost playing off former years the England legend because you know he was involved in some big games the goal in the 5-1 against Germany with the old DJ celebration now score back up Scores is on his way, but Heskey up with it. Emil Heskey, is this going to be another one? It is! 
Would you believe it? 5-1 to England. Heskey on the score sheet now. You know, it's a great moment and it's hard to uh, go full on. So we can only judge Heskey what we saw with our own eyes and, you know, what I saw with my own eyes. And and this is what I, I basically stick my flag in the ground on was when we were playing some woeful game against Manchester United. Normally we have explosive encounters with those back in the day. And uh, we were 1-0 down and we, we didn't have much purchase going forward. And then suddenly Heskey's put through one-on-one. You know what happened next, don't you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> And you're, thinking, and you're thinking, you know, it's, it's a moment in football where he's either going to fucking score or the keeper's going to save it. You're thinking these are the only two options. You but don't no. really. <laughs> but no, <laughs> the you, third way. <laughs> you don't factor in the third way that it's actually going to go off for a throw in after he shoots <laughs> in the in the Doug Ellis side. Like it was that was that was like if you you know those where people say if the ground could have opened up and swallowed me, <laughs> that was his moment for that to happen. I mean, I remember he um he actually scored, didn't he? He actually rounded the goalkeeper when? and when? scored against Blackburn in that crazy oh, six in the four semi, yeah. semi final. And the Villa fans were mocking Blackburn, going Heskey scored, my lord, because he was just so unlikely. <laughs> yeah, and his best one to be fair was the you know, it was an amazing header, wasn't it? At the uh, the Molyneux under the Julia in the Julia. Yeah, didn't he? He scored against Rapid Vienna. Yes. When we were trying to rescue that. I still want revenge against them. I mean, if we are ever to get back in the Europa League, I hope we play Rapid Vienna because we need to serve up some justice. Plus Vienna's a nice place to go. Well, yeah, it's a good place to go. But when they came back and they put up that banner, your nightmare returns. I mean, fair play to them. (laughs) But it was like, like, shit, it's true, that banner. Yeah. I mean, the the thing I always actually remember the most about Heskey was it was never his goal scoring, but it was his strength. He was a weapon, wasn't it? Because it was, (laughs) I remember him basically being... O'Neill would bring him on when you're about 1-0 up with 10 minutes to go and you're just banging it into the corner and go, Emil, go and stand by the corner flag between you and the ball. <laughs> and, you, and you just kill the game. And we used to do that so many times. If you listen to the last uh, podcast with the overrated or underrated on uh, Steve Sidwell, he tells a story about uh, Heskey being as strong as an ox and going for Martin O'Neill in the changing room at if half-time. Only he had a- dragging uh, Collins and Dunn across the floor who were trying to stop him. Now... This is around the time I'm guessing where actually he was he was I think the season before he left he was trying to get out. Yeah, we uh, ended up we actually ended up uh, releasing him, didn't we? Yeah, because the season before he was trying to get out because uh, I mean one of the quotes is like I'm trying to get back my England career and he was uh, on the fringe, fringes <laughs> oh. at Villa and it's like mate that was that was shot down six years ago. But to his credit, I mean this isn't we're out of the Villa sphere now. But uh, when he went to uh, Newcastle Jets in Australia, I thought this was quite nice because he, he he literally he's ending his career on a high and turning up there as they're thinking, oh yeah, Premier League legend, turning up there as a hero. It's almost as if he was like signing for a Turkish team where they treat you like a god when you turn up. And they had the Heskey cam on him. So there was a dedicated cam when you uh, watch the Jets that you could actually put the Heskey cam on. And he started off pr- pretty well. I mean, the, you know, obviously the, the, late, the league's a lot lower, but he scored five goals in his first five games. And you're just thinking, well, it's, you know, it's a nice way to retire as a goal scorer <laughs> and uh, having uh, you know reasonable success. But uh, sp- let's close it off. Uh, where, who, where is he now? What's he up to? No, he is. Um, he's taken up a coaching role just just this week. In fact, he's taken up a coaching role uh, with the Leicester ladies team as they're I think trying we to had get that the in one of the three points, didn't we? Uh... Yeah, he was an ambassador, wasn't he, to begin with? He's been. Yeah, yeah, he's, oh, he's, right, he's remained yeah. involved in Leicester for a while. As he said, uh, I'm trying to give back what I learnt in the professional game. As long as long as the having shots that go off of throw-ins aren't uh, part of that uh, finishing education. Specialist. Yeah, I mean, as a career, you would say. Uh, I mean, let's do the verdict. He's won trophies, hasn't he? To be fair, he's won trophies. He's had great magical moments for England, and it was that for you know the foil for Owen, and it worked so well. And Owen always used to like big him up. But as I said, this, he was really good for Leicester as well. There's there's two versions of Heskey. There's the Leicester Liverpool, and then there's what happened later because that Leicester Liverpool period is also his the best time he had for England as well. And I don't think O'Neill should have bought him because I think he just thought that's a bargain worked with him before but it's not as if he was like ah he's the final piece of the jigsaw here that's what we needed mm-hmm. at that time to get us over the line into top four and he, and he wasn't that and he wasn't utilized uh, like that 
It was, a, we, it was like a small. It was like a small time sign, and I remember when I heard it. it was I was driving to work and I heard it in the radio, and I was like, talk about the day the music died, and I heard Villa sign Pesky, <laughs> and it was just like, oh, I just I'm going to have to face this and work, and you just get in, everybody starts laughing at you. So it was just it was it wasn't going to go much better from there. Yeah, it echoed when uh, older Villa fans will remember when uh, Graham Taylor Villa were chasing for the title, and we signed Tony Cascarino, and suddenly it just fucked everything up, and we nosedived because it changed the way we played. From this kind of snappy, dynamic team, we were lumping it long to Cascarino, and uh, our title ambitions or hopes were, were kind of over then. And it was similar to that. It, anyway, underrated or overrated? Over when he was at Villa. Overrated, totally. And uh, probably uh, the defining signing for Martin O'Neill that cost him and turned against him uh, in the changing rooms, as Sid well said. Yeah, definitely o- overrated. And if you if you want to look now, he's got he's overrating himself because he's one of the most expensive footballers. You can get to leave yourself a voice message. He, <laughs> <laughs> he really values himself. He's like he's like twice the price of like a Paul Merson or someone like that. So he's a high opinion of himself. What what is that? It's, uh, it's like what's it called? Cameo again? or Mimo? Yeah, or the, cameo. I think a few different companies. And, you know, he's the gentle giant. He's a nice guy and all all that stuff. But it's just like we are here to judge footballers. And while he was at Villa, it was. Uh, not a great and as i said i you know that miss against united i can't look past that right anyway enough of uh, mr heskey please do uh subscribe to the show or follow us on spotify and drop us a apple review as well uh, also spread the word as well which uh, is a big help to get the podcast out to like-minded thinking aston villa fans uh, if you say it on twitter please do give it a uh, retweet to help spread the word and also uh, sign up as a patron to get the extra shows uh, as i said there will be uh, a couple more dropping this week thanks for listening and uh until those sticky games that Grealish was talking about uh happen it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.